Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Professional mountain biker Adam Craig says it's one of the top three places in the universe he's ridden. Where is this magical mountain biking nirvana? It's none other than Brevard, North Carolina, home to Pisgah National Forest and DuPont Recreational Forest. The area boasts over 300 miles of peerless single track, not to mention hundreds of miles of gravel roads, creating a near endless array of routes, terrains, and challenges to explore. Four vibrant bike shops will get you sorted, whether you need gear, service, or a top-notch rental. Top it off with an array of craft breweries, cafes, and gathering spots that have earned Brevard the title as one of the best small towns in America in 2021. It all adds up to a premier mountain biking destination you'll want to experience for yourself. Find out more at explorebrevard.com. Hey everybody, welcome to the Single Tracks Podcast. My name is Jeff, and today my guest is Terry Palmieri. Terry is the executive director of SORBA, which is the Southern Off-Road Bicycle Association, and the group has been around since 1989. Today, the group is made up of 48 chapters spread across seven different states. Thanks for joining me, Terry. Well, thank you, Jeff. It's a pleasure to be here. So take me back to the beginning. How and why did Sorba get its start? What what kind of issues or things were going on in mountain biking in the South uh, back then, back in like the late 80s? Yes. Well, that's when Sorba started in 1989. It was because of access. Hmm. And it started in the Atlanta area, North Georgia. Mm-hmm. And there's just a few trails to ride at the time. There was the Palisades Trail that was along the Chattahoochee River. It's now Soap Creek. Mm-hmm. There's a river loop in LJ, Georgia, about 90 miles north of Atlanta. And then there were the trails at Kennesaw Mountain National Battlefield Park. Mm-hmm. And the mountain bikers lost access to that trail due to user conflict ah. and riding off trail. So a group of 13 concerned mountain bikers met at Vining's Schwinn Bicycle Shop, <laughs> now Atlanta Cycling Vining's. Mm-hmm. And I just found out my husband, uh, Mike Palmieri, was a part of that original 13. Wow. He was a bike mechanic at the, I know, he goes way back. Wow. <laughs> uh, he was a mechanic at the time at the bicycle shop. So that's how it got started. Now, we, we never did get access back to the National Park. Right. But we now have quite a few trails all over the southeast and lots of trail opportunities now. Yeah. And the group has obviously expanded a ton, like I said in the beginning, across seven different states now. How is Sorba organized? How do you uh, sort of, how do all those different chapters work together? Well, I'll talk in IRS nonprofit speak first. So SORBA is the parent organization over 48 subordinate chapters. SORBA Maine, as we call it, takes care of administrative details and costs that support our chapters. Hmm. We provide services to make it easier for our chapters to focus on their mission and goals. And I'll give you an example. 
So our chapters need to have a liability insurance that uh, covers their activities, trail building, organized rides, those sort of things. So the insurance skyrocketed about three years ago, hmm. and but we were able to keep the cost down because we're organized as a big group and have the ability to reduce the costs and the risks. Okay. But kind of what we're doing in the background to to take care of this issue for the long term, because we don't know what our insurance costs are going to be next year. They could go, they could triple again next year. Mm-hmm. So we are working with the Unified Law Commission. This is a commission that looks at state law and helps update it. And we would like to update the recreational use statutes that each state has mm-hmm. that protects the landowner from uh, any problems that might arise by opening up their land to recreational activities. Okay. So we're going to be talking with the Uniform Law Commission next month, and hopefully they'll take this up. We have a lot of support for it, a lot of support letters, and uh, it might take a few years, but this is one way that we can help our chapters make it easier for them to do what they do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, seven different states, it sounds like they all have different recreation laws. So is the goal to get like a federal law that kind of standardizes that or are you going to have to go state by state? State by state. And the beauty of working with the Uniform Law Commission is that once they look into it, change up the law, most states will adopt it right away. Hmm. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I can imagine there are a lot of different interpretations of that, and maybe it's easier to build trails some places than others. How many miles of single track trails does Sorba or Sorba Chapters currently support? Do you have any any idea on that? Yeah, about 3,000 miles. Wow. And it takes about 50,000 volunteer hours to maintain, but that's not, that's just part of the story. Mm-hmm. We have about a thousand miles in the negotiation stage. So that means that, hey, the chapter's identified an area where they think they can build trails and they're talking with the land manager, hmm. land agency to see if it's possible. So once they get past that page stage, get the okay. Uh, we do have about 500 miles of trail that are in the planning and design stage. So once you get the land manager approval and community support, it's time to put, make a plan of how many miles of trails, what kind of trails, uh, that sort of thing. Now, let's say they get that all done. They get this planning and design part of it done. There's community support. They have all the uh, environmental surveys done. Mm-hmm. We currently have 200 miles of trails and 10 bike park projects wow. at the shovel-ready stage. Wow. All we need is funding. So that's how busy our chapters are. <laughs> yeah. Well, as like the Sorba, the main Sorba, what do you call it? Like the, the group that you are the executive director of. Is that, it's just Sorba or is it like headquarters? Just call it Sorba. But we call it Sorba, Maine. Okay. So, so at Sorba, Maine, yeah. how much of your time or, you know, efforts are go toward things that you mentioned, like insurance and things like administrative stuff for the clubs versus, you know, actually advising them on like how to get approvals and funding and, and that sort of thing? Uh, I would say administrative uh, tasks probably take up about 30% hmm. of my time and Philip Darden's time. Philip Darden is our associate director. 
we are full-time staff for Sorba. Mm -hmm. And I would say the rest is uh, direct support to our chapters. Just to give you an example, I'll be traveling down to Brunswick, Georgia, which is below Savannah, Mm-hmm. to talk to them about a mountain bike trail that they have there that uh, needs uh, some improvement and in, in getting the uh, county on board and what, what are the next steps. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah, I rode a trail down there in Brunswick, maybe the same one you're talking about, and it had the worst spider webs of anywhere I've ever been in my life. So hopefully that's part of the project is like getting rid of the spiders. <laughs> no, that's that's that uh first person that that that's going to be breaking the you know riding first mm-hmm. <laughs> you, you always try to get that one because they they don't know what they're getting into <laughs> <laughs> right yeah i was by myself and i was like picking up sticks and trying to like you know knock them out of the way but i finally literally gave up on that ride because the spiders were so bad oh i know yeah and then they're just you know you can knock them all out of the way and they're just as bad the next day right <laughs> right they don't they don't pay attention to our wishes. Well, <laughs> so how many individuals belong to a Sorba club among all your affiliates and chapters? Well, we have over 9,000 members. And to give you an example, uh, we have chapters in areas where there's not a big population, a small town that may be taking care of a lot of trails. And they, they may have around 60 to 70 members. Mm-hmm. Whereas our bigger chapters in, in uh, bigger metropolitan areas like Raleigh-Durham, uh, they have over 800 members. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. That's great. Well, how do you think that number compares to like how many active mountain bikers there are living in those those states? I think we're just getting a small fraction. And, yeah. and, and it's a good thing and a bad thing. There's so many new folks coming into the scene, mountain biking, especially coming out of the, the, like, for instance, the Georgia Cycling Association and the mm-hmm. National Interscholastic Cycling Associations in our other states. Mm-hmm. There's a ton of kids coming, coming through and, and are, uh, avid mountain bikers. So it, it's an educational problem for us. Yeah. To uh, make sure that they understand that no, these trails didn't just appear. <laughs> right, right. So, there was there was a volunteer group behind it that got it built mm-hmm. or built it themselves and are maintaining it. Right. Yeah. And and with the pandemic, did you see like an increase in? I mean, we certainly saw it in mountain biking. A lot more people on the trails. Is that affected membership at all? As far as you can tell. You know, it, it didn't. Because we, we keep a close eye on our statistics, and uh, last year our membership flattened out. We did make great gains, like from 2018 to 2020, and then it kind of flattened out. Hmm. But it's just, it's just a, you know, uh, another challenge that, that we need to uh, try and work through. Yeah, yeah. I imagine, I mean, it's... It- like you said, it's a good thing and a bad thing. And I imagine it can be frustrating when you're, you're trying to represent a number of mountain bikers, but they don't all necessarily, they aren't necessarily part of your group. And so you can't <laughs> even communicate with all of them and, and that sort of thing. So it seems, seems like a, a challenge. Well, we try. Yeah. We, we try. We, we've been very active on our Facebook and in other social media and, and posting information on our, our website. Mm-hmm. Just like you guys do, you do an awesome job of of getting information out to mountain biking public. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you know, 
another big problem that we have is uh, etiquette on the on the trails. You know how to be a responsible trail user. All those things we need to really step it up uh, with education. So tell us, what were you doing before joining the Sorba staff? Well, I was uh, helping to manage a bicycle shop, mm. and I was the president of the North Georgia Mountain Bike Association. Yeah, so you you've definitely had a lot, and and that was. For those who don't know, Cartier Bikes in LJ. Correct. Yeah. Uh, which is home to a lot of the best mountain biking in Georgia, a lot of trails on national forest land. And so I imagine you're very familiar with working with the Forest Service and, and those sorts of things. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for saying that. Yeah. We, like I said, this is, that's an s- example of a small chapter that, that really takes care of a lot of trails up here that are you know, very popular with folks in, in Georgia. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I always imagine again, that that's a frustrating thing. It would be for me anyway, to have like a small club in a small town that has to maintain trails that are like wildly popular. Like everybody from Atlanta drives up there to ride, you know, just for the day or the weekend and rarely pitches in to help out with that. Yeah. For me, that would be frustrating, but yeah, they do such a great job and, and really, even though it's a thankless one sometimes. Sometimes, but they, they have some really great projects in the pipeline that uh, hopefully will be coming to fruition uh, soon. Mm-hmm. That's part of that 500 miles of trail, uh, 200 miles of trail that uh, are shovel ready. <laughs> mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, tell us, how is Sorba funded? I imagine there are a number of different sources, but what are sort of the main ones? Well, I'll tell you, we really, the main source is our membership dollars. Hmm. So we are very careful with our budget and uh, we plan very carefully throughout the year. And it, that's all public. We we uh, do, we present a budget to our board of directors, which our board of directors is uh, represented by a uh, a chapter leader from each chapter. Okay. And, uh, and then I give them a financial statement in our spring meeting. But we've, we've managed that way for many years. Uh, we do a 40, 40, 20 split. So the chapters get back 40% of their membership dollars. Mm-hmm. Sorba Maine gets 40% to do all the administrative tasks and pay salaries that, and insurance, those sort of things. And then 20% goes to IMBA who uh, runs our membership management and uh, also our HR and many other things that they put together that really support our chapters. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I was going to ask, what is the relationship between Sorba and Emba? seems like it's a very close one. And over the years, it's kind of it changed and, and things. So what is it like right now? Well, I'm still the uh, Emba representative for the Southeast. So for instance, when... We're working with forest planning, like with the Nantahala Pisgah National Forest. I represent IMBA and SORBA. Oh, okay. And, uh, but we participate in the IMBA local program, which this is a new program that they put together, I believe in 2018. Mm-hmm. And it's probably the most comprehensive program that really supports our chapters. And, but there are also, uh, many other mountain bike organizations around the country that participate in the IMBA local program. We're actually, I'm going to be talking to Anthony Duncan, who runs the IMBA local program on an upcoming podcast. So yeah, we've been hearing a lot of great things about that program and how it's working out so far for, for a lot of chapters all over the country. Well, good. He's the man. Yeah, he actually came up through Sorba. 
Right. He's based in the Southeast, right? Correct. So he used to be the, I believe, the president for uh, Tri-Cities up in uh, Johnson, Tennessee. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Really looking forward to talking to him and, and finding out more about that program. So you mentioned uh, that there are a number of projects at various stages in the works. And to me, you know, I mean, we cover mountain biking all over the U.S., all over the world. And it seems like there's always new trails being built here in the Southeast, more than other regions of the country and, and certainly the world. So tell us about some of the bigger projects that are currently in the works here. Well, great. Yeah, I'd love to talk about them. And, and thank you for saying that. I didn't even realize that we we have more trail development going on in the Southeast. But uh, but keep in mind that uh, both Philip and I are, we're not directly responsible for any one project. Mm-hmm. We, we know it takes many folks, chapter leaders, land managers, and the community to get a project. We, we just help facilitate that. Mm-hmm. And there are so many that I'd get in trouble if I leave a trail project out, but just <laughs> right. to name a we few. We could order them by like mileage or something. I don't know. That gets me excited. Maybe not other people, but when I'm like, wow, they're building 10 miles or 15 miles. That's great. Well, sometimes that three-mile trail that's in a uh, underserved community in a, a large urban area is so important. Right. But I'll give you a few. So there's Standing Boy which is in Columbus, Georgia. That's got 20 miles built already. It's going to have 30. And these are these were built by Embetrail Solutions. Mm-hmm. So um, this is a, a really great project that uh, we're looking forward to see it uh, be finished. Is that one that the 20 miles is complete? Is that open for riding? Sure is. Yeah, sure is. I'm very proud of Old Fort. There wasn't a chapter that actually got this ball rolling. It was a whole community. This is just outside Asheville, right. uh, North Carolina. Two of our chapters did participate in, in um, you know, uh, consulting in giving them, uh, you know, telling them how to go about things. But uh, that that is a 40-mile uh, trail system on the Nantahala Pisgah National Forest. That Forest Service is really supporting in the local community. Mm-hmm. Um, I went to the uh, groundbreaking here just recently, and uh, oh, cool! Yeah, there was over two hundred people there. <laughs> wow! So I've never seen that. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm really. I, this is one where the whole community was involved with this, and they got it rolling. So the G5 Trail Collective was extremely important in this. And Betrayal Solutions, again, uh, came in with a Trail Accelerator Grant. This mm-hmm. is a grant that uh, you can apply for that that uh, pays for planning and design, the most important part of a, a trail development. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the only grant out there that covers that sort of thing. So I'm really looking forward to that one uh, opening up. And, of course, we have some of the older ones, Coldwater Mountain in Anniston, Alabama. They're still building at Coldwater. That's amazing. Yeah. There's still more going on there. They also are um, building a, a big trail complex in the uh, the old uh, Army base, uh, Fort McClellan. Right. Yes. I've ridden some of those. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I haven't gotten there yet. Walden's Ridge in uh, Chattanooga, mm. Tennessee. Uh, this is going to be uh, very much uh, flow trail, 
Uh, it also gives access for climbers to uh, climb the uh, the ridge right behind it. That should be open soon. Uh, you have the urban wilderness in uh, Knoxville, Tennessee. Mm-hmm. It's been around for a while, but I think they're adding some new trail to that. But right now, the one I'm really, really excited about is the Hall's Top Project, which is in uh, Cock County, uh, Tennessee. That's the far eastern part of Tennessee. The uh, there, It's been a huge grant that went to this county to build uh, about 80 miles of trail in the National Forest. Whoa. And, yeah, it's, it's pretty <laughs> cool. But what happened is the county, not really knowing how to work with Forest Service, and didn't choose the right trail builder to do the conceptual planning and design. Mm-hmm. They were suggesting things in the forest that would never fly. So the forest has certain management areas that dictate what can happen on that particular part of land. Mm-hmm. And this is something that, of course, us as Sorba know quite a bit about. We, we know how to work with Forest Service. We've had an MOU with them for eight years now. I think we're the only group that has a, a mountain bike-specific MOU. Oh, wow. I think IMPA's working on some for other regions. And it's a good working relationship. We work all the time with uh, Region 8 dealing with mountain biking and recreation. And so we had to advise the, the county manager that, hey, this, this is not going to work. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to be wasting your money here. It's taxpayer money. And so we're concerned. We want the project to be successful. We want them to be successful. Mm-hmm. So it, between, uh, you know, it was uh, some, f- a few key, um, volunteers, uh, that, and, and me and, and Philip Darden that really, you know, said, Hey, you've got to change your trail builder. This, this, you're not, it's not going to work with this particular one. And they did. So they went to a, a trail builder that is going to do an excellent, excellent job. So I'm very excited about it now. I mean, that's not the first time we've heard that happening where you have a contractor come in. Um, you know, a lot of these things, I guess, are bid out. I don't know the particulars of that situation, but you get someone who's not experienced and, you know, they, maybe they've done landscaping or things like that. And, don't realize what's involved in trails. So that's great that Sorba is able to be sort of an advisor, a trusted advisor to these land managers uh, so that they can say, hey, like this, this is not going to work out uh, the way that you probably want it to. And, and so, yeah, that's, that's a great role. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to uh, what they're going to come up with because there's so many elements that need to be considered to have a successful trail system, because being that this is going to be somewhere around 80 miles, we've got to think about what do the hikers want? What do the equestrians want? Um, what do the mountain bikers want? Uh, what are the management prescriptions for each piece of uh, parcel of land that these trails will be going through? How does it connect to the city? How do we uh, take into consideration um all the different soil types, uh, ecosystems that these trails will go through because it, it does go through from, through some real stringent environmental surveys, what we call NEPA mm-hmm. and, and building the community behind it because the public has input on whatever Forest Service does. 
So another question I wanted to ask you about trails and some of the trails that Sorbo chapters support um, is like, where are some of the busiest or most popular trails located? Are they generally like in metro areas or are some of the forest trails uh, seeing a lot of use as well? Yeah, that that's a good question. That's probably uh, a good idea for a survey for us to put out. But I would say that any well-built trail system that is close to a metro major metropolitan area is going to be very popular, as is a destination quality trail, too. So when we did do a survey, probably five to seven years ago, it, it ended up being the Pisgah National Forest, Asheville, Tennessee area. I mean, Asheville, North Carolina area. Interesting. Yeah. And I know though a lot of trails like here in Atlanta, um, like the Blankets Creek Trail is like, has got to be the most popular one. And, you know, it, it seems like it would be real easy for a trail system like that to just be loved to death where, you know, it's just constantly in need of, of maintenance. And so I, I guess just every chapter has kind of different needs and different challenges that they need to, to handle. And so, it's quite a diverse group of, of chapters. Yeah, you you are correct. Blankets Creek uh, that Woodstock Sorba manages is an extremely popular trail system, and they they uh, they manage it very well. They will hire a professional trail builder to come in and do the heavy maintenance on it because yeah, it, it can get loved to death. Well, are there any unique challenges to trail building in the southeast? Again, because Sorba covers such a wide area, it seems like. There's some really diverse terrain where trail builders are going to be working. You know, you've got sand in Florida, and then, like you mentioned, Pisgah in North Carolina. It's lots of rocks and steep slopes. So how do you deal with that? Do you have, like, certain trail builders um, that, that you tend to work with? Or, like, um, is there an advisement role as well that Sorba takes on uh, in helping trail builders in these places? I always advise uh, either land managers or our chapters to try and, and bring in a, a professional trail builders. And there's many of them out there that do an excellent job. And they will know how to build a trail on sandy soil mm-hmm. or in the mountainous area, the Piedmont area. Actually, it's easier to build a trail probably in the mountains than it is on flat, sandy soils. Really? <laughs> but there are, there are techniques that can be used to, uh, mitigate that and, but still make the trail fun hmm. for the, uh, mountain bikers. Yeah. It seems like the other thing that we have in the Southeast is erosion is like a bigger problem, certainly than like out West and places like that. It seems like water management is just a huge part of, of any trail building project in the Southeast. Yes. Building a sustainable trail is the number one priority. Um, we have seen a lot more rain in the Southeast than we have in the past. We're just about a rainforest now. So <laughs> yeah. uh, it does make a difference. So that's one of those pieces of uh, uh, one of those issues that tr- uh, professional trail builders think about when they're designing a trail. Mm. Well, you mentioned uh, sort of the impetus behind Sorba getting started back in 89 was some user conflicts uh, at some trails in the Atlanta area. What is the sort of relationship with mountain bikers and other trail users look like today? Is there, are you finding much opposition to mountain bike trail access uh, in the Southeast or, or are there pockets where it's, it's better or worse? 
it's much better now than it was 35, 40 years ago. We're, we're no longer the redheaded stepchild. <laughs> so that's part of building the community behind a trail development. You've got to reach out to the hikers and the equestrians if they're going to be part uh, be using these trails mm-hmm. and you got to get their buy-in and work out, work with them. And, uh, because, you know, we're all, we're all responsible for our public land and the more people that can work together to protect our public lands, the better off we are. But I would say that our relationship is, is good. We listen to one another. So it, you know, you still get occasionally someone will say, well, bikes shouldn't be allowed in the woods, uh, but that's very rare now. It is surprising that there is so little uh, opposition. I mean, even in the cities, you know, here in Atlanta, you don't hear that a whole lot um, like you do maybe out west uh, with, with certain trail areas. So speaking about other user groups, what does the current discussion around e-bike trail access look like for Sorba? Well, our policy is the same as Imba's. Um, it's, you know, we, we support the, the class one, uh, so long as there's an agreement between the local mountain bikers and the land manager that, you know, they'll allow that class one. Um, but it, we don't want it to take access away from traditional mountain bikes. Yeah. Is there a risk of that? I mean, have you heard from any groups that say? Oh, I hope not. That that's yeah. that's where we have to, uh, you know, fight for that. My concern is, you know, so these e-bikes are not going away. I have seen more people benefit from it. You know, folks that that have, you know, some physical disability uh, are able to ride again, mm-hmm. are able to ride with a group that they like to ride with. So I see more benefit than I see uh, problems with it. Mm-hmm. But like with any new uh, bike or, or even mountain bikers, there's going to be a few that, that are inconsiderate and uh, mm-hmm. uh, maybe ride too fast and blow people off the trails. But I hear more good coming out of it than bad. Yeah. Yeah. Are you hearing anything from the Forest Service um, in the area? My understanding is they can make that decision kind of case by case about whether they want to treat uh, e-bikes like bikes, or if they want to categorize them as motorized? Well, um, they are going to come out with a policy for e-bikes here probably in the next couple of months. I'm not, you know, privy to what that policy is going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but that it will end up being where it's the local, uh, district ranger mm-hmm. that makes the decision whether to allow them or not once the policy comes out. Right. And is e-bike access part of the conversation now with new trail builds? It seems like maybe that's an opportunity to say, we've got a clean slate here. This is a brand new trail. And we're going to, you know, from the beginning, you know, allow e-bikes or, or maybe not allow them. Is that is that part of the new trail conversation? Oh, yeah. 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 Interesting. So you kind of touched on this earlier, but I'm curious to know what the biggest constraint Sorba faces in carrying out and growing the mission. Is it, is it funding, volunteers? Is it something else? It's funding. Hmm. You know, it, it's, and we're starting to, to make the ask to, uh, ask foundations to, uh, write grants to, um, 
find donations, you know, other donations, other revenue streams, because man, I would love to be able to say, Hey, we've got these trails, re- you know, they're shovel ready. Let's get some money pumped into them. Help these chapters, uh, write a grant, use some of our money to leverage those grants and get trails built faster. Sometimes we have trail systems that are sho- sho- shovel ready. Mm-hmm. And, and sitting on the shelf for five, <laughs> six, seven years until we start getting some funding coming in. That's the biggest thing. It's the funding. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, you mentioned a thousand miles potentially of trails that are in the works or at some stage. And that's got to cost a lot of money. I mean, we're talking tens of millions of dollars, right? We are. But when you look at it compared to other recreational facilities, if you talk about a mile a paved trail, that's a million dollars. Oh, wow. When you look at a, yeah, if you look at a <laughs> golf course, it's a million dollars per hole. Whoa. So we really come in cheaper than a lot of other, all other recreational facilities. And trails allow access for the biggest majority of your population. Everybody can get out and walk on a trail just about. Right. So... We, that's the way we need to think of the trails as a facility that has value, mm-hmm. just as a golf course, a public swimming pool, tennis courts, soccer fields. It, it's a facility that serves the public and it, it needs to be treated that way. Yeah, definitely. That, yeah, that's incredible because I don't know, a mile of, of single track costs, what, $25,000 and up? That, that's on, yeah, and up. And that's on the low side. It just depends. Uh, if it's going to be flow trail with technical trail features, it, it goes up from there. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. And so what are the kind of major sources for building trails? Is it typically grants or is it fundraisers or like how, I mean, if you need to raise a million dollars for a, a big trail system, I, I don't, I feel like you're not going to be just getting that from membership dues, right? No, <laughs> no, uh, no, it'll be a grant, more than likely a grant, yes. Mm-hmm. From like private uh, organizations or nonprofits or like who's who writes these grants other than the Waltons? It, it, usually it's a recreational trails program. This is a federal grant through the highway bill. Um, so there's uh, money skimmed off of um, off-road vehicle gas tax. Mm-hmm. That gets appropriated a certain amount to each state, and the state runs that grant. So, it hmm. was we call it RTP. Coldwater Mountain was built with the RTP grants. Hmm. So, but those those are uh, an eighty twenty grant. So the grant pays for eighty percent of the cost, and twenty percent is uh, raised by the local community. Hmm. Wow! So, uh, donations from members, money put in the pot from the county or the city or the visitors bureau uh, from uh, foundations can be part of that 20%. And that's what you really want because these grants give you a lot of points if you've got a whole community that's willing to put skin in the game to get this trail built. Yeah. Well, yeah. Are you seeing more cities and counties uh Pitching in funding, it sounds like from the folks I've talked to here in Atlanta, um, sort of in the metro area, that there are uh, counties and cities that are saying, we want trails, like come in, we'll even help fund them. Is that, is that happening elsewhere? Oh, yeah. And it's, it is, and it's the counties and cities that are reaching out to me that don't even have uh, a chapter in their area. 
Hmm. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. And and then I can tell them the process that that they need to go through in order to get a, a high quality uh, trail system. Yeah. Yeah. What a difference uh, compared to like the 90s when when this was all getting started. When it was like we had to beg and and plead our case. And now now mountain biking, I guess, is is would you say it's more mainstream? Is it more acceptable today? Oh yes, absolutely. Uh, and gaining popularity, but those were the uh, hurdles we had to get through at the beginning. Um, this is why International Mountain Bike uh, Association uh, put together all this knowledge of building sustainable trail that's ongoing and, and producing those four books that, that really help with, with trail building. So we, we literally became the experts in the field that uh, land managers and land agencies around the world Respect. Right. It gets written into our mem- uh, our MOUs, our agreements with land managers. Yeah, I mean, it really legitimizes mountain biking and what we're doing, and that yeah, we're we're doing it thoughtfully and sustainably, and yeah, it's clearly paying off. Well, keep in mind that there's very few trails out there that are uh, bike only. Hmm. Most of them are multi-use. Right. So not only did we have to learn how to design for mountain bikes, we had to learn how to design for equestrians and for hikers. Yeah. I mean, it seems like here, the trail work days that I go out to, uh, it's mostly mountain bikers. I mean, is that the case kind of across the board or is that unusual? Uh, no, uh, it is uh, mostly mountain bikers. You know, hikers have a tendency to be able to step over things on a trail, <laughs> <laughs> but mountain bikers can't. So, you know, if trees fall down over the trail, we're out there cutting them off. Um, but it's not to say that, that hikers don't participate. I think our, our chapter down in Augusta, Georgia, CSRA has, uh, really brought in the hiking and trail running community, uh, where they're members of their board and they're out there helping with trail maintenance. Wow. Wow. That's awesome. Well, Terry, tell me, what's next for Sorba this year and, and looking beyond for the next few years? Well, again, since we, we know that funding is, is something that we really want to go after, we're, we're going to be making the ask this year. Um, last year, we really stepped up our game in telling our story, mm-hmm. uh, sending out newsletters, updating our website, being active with our Facebook and uh, other social media platforms. I, and we did a, a really wonderful annual report beginning of the year for 2021. So, you know, we, we're, we're telling our story much more effectively, whereas before, you know, folks just didn't know what we did. Mm-hmm. So that's, we have that in place now. And uh, Philip Darden does a wonderful job with that. But this year, it's going to be making the ask. Yeah. So what does that look like? Is it uh, specific fundraisers? Is it, you know, online donations? Like how, how can people contribute and, and start supporting the mission more? Well, of course, they can, they can go to our website and, and donate online. Online, We have that, that option with all our new newsletters that we put out there. Um, but mainly, I think it's, it's writing uh, grants to uh, foundations. It's, it's tough to get money for administrative purposes. Right. You know, everybody wants to give money to that, uh, uh, sexy, uh, trail build. 
<laughs> right. Everybody wants their name on the brand new trail. <laughs> exactly. But, you know, that takes a lot of work behind the scenes to get this done. So we, we like to build capacity in order to, to, uh, help our chapters and be able to, to give them some funding in order to get their trail builds done. So I think there's a lot more, um, public awareness and on the value of trails, say, especially with the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Gosh, everybody got out on trails. They got outside, which is a great thing. But we, we've got to build the uh, trail facilities in order to meet this new, new, uh, these new users. Mm-hmm. Right. So we'll, we'll be doing it in a variety of ways, asking for donations, writing grants, sponsorships, uh, events. We'll, we'll, we're looking at everything. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, it takes everything, every, every little bit that you can get. And it sounds like, you know, yeah, this is a great time because like you said, there's these high school mountain bike leagues, there's, uh, new people coming out to the trails, uh, because of the pandemic. And so, yeah, what an opportunity to really continue growing, uh, mountain biking in the Southeast. There's always a silver lining. <laughs> right. Well, Terry, thanks uh, so much for joining me and, and talking about Sorba. And thank you for all the work that you and your staff and all the volunteers do uh, to make mountain biking fun in the Southeast. Well, you're welcome. It was my pleasure. Well, you can get more information about Sorba and even make donations at sorba.org. That's all we've got this week. We'll talk to you again next week. Mm-hmm.